So we're starting a, off a, a sermon series today called Breakthrough. And this series is about breaking through the spiritual deadlock that you are experiencing. Have, have any of you ever prayed and thought to yourself, I think my prayers are just hitting the ceiling. It feels like I'm praying and it just goes nowhere. And then you get that funny family member that says, oh, just go and pray outside. <laughs> and then you do that one night privately on your own to see if it really works. And then nothing changes. It just feels like you can't connect with God. It just feels like there's, there's no progress in your spiritual growth. It just feels like you, you're hearing sermons, you're attending church, you're in a connection group, you're reading your Bible and you're praying, but it just feels like there's a standstill, there's a deadlock, there's, there's, there's no breakthrough that you would have hoped for. Am I the only person that struggles with this? No, okay, there's some people in the house, wonderful. <laughs> Because this is a very humane thing to go through, okay? You are not unique in any sense if you have experienced this or are experiencing this in your life. So I just want to comfort you in the fact that this is normal, but I think it's too normal because I see frequently that people of God just accept it. And they say, well, maybe this is, maybe this is all a relationship with God entails. Maybe this is all he has in store for me uh, because maybe I'm in the back of the queue. Because for some reason, we think that God in heaven works like home affairs. There's a queue. And unfortunately now I'm at the back of the queue, so uh, maybe I'll experience God when I'm in my 60s again. That's, that's okay. The problem is it's not okay because when time passes, people leave the church and people blame God or the preacher or the worship leader or someone else because of the fact that they do not experience God anymore. But what if I told you that something is wrong? And this is the title for my message today. Something is wrong. Tell the person next to you something's wrong. I don't know if you are a bit sensitive to relationships. When someone enters a room, you can feel, oh, something's wrong. I can hear it immediately in the way my wife puts down her car keys on the kitchen counter. I can know immediately how to react just by hearing the sound of those keys. I know when to relax on the couch and smile and say, hey, how are you? Wonderful to have you back. And then I know there's a certain sound when those, hit, when those keys hit that counter. I know to get up, be friendly, have a helpful posture, and say, I'm at your service, milady. <laughs> Anything that I can do, I'll do it for you. <laughs> My wife isn't like that, but you get what I'm trying to say. We, we can pick up things. We can sense things that, oh, something's not okay. And in our relationship with God, that's exactly the same. And if you are a newborn Christian and if you have been walking with Jesus your entire life, you know this is true, that there are moments that you feel, I think I need a breakthrough because something's wrong. I don't have the confidence in the Word anymore. I, I, I don't feel like I have the confidence to go out and pray anymore. I, I don't know if, if, if I am growing spiritually anymore. I think I'm stagnant. I think I'm stuck. I think I'm in a rut. And I want to explain it to you in this way. Think, it, think of it like this. Some of us have been, well, let's not say some of us. I have been... Uh, a newborn Christian following Jesus 
dedicating my life fully devoted to him for 25 years. And for you, it might be a week or a month or 50 years. The timeline doesn't really matter. But for me, for instance, it would be a terrible thing to say, I have been a Christian for 25 years, but instead of being a 25-year-old Christian, I have been a one-year-old Christian 25 times. That would be a terrible thing to say. Because that would mean that I haven't grown in any way, shape, or form in my spiritual journey with Christ. And I, I'm sure that the fact that you are here on a, a wonderful Sunday morning, the weather is perfect, there are so many things that you could have been doing, but you chose to come here. And that tells me that you have an inherent longing to grow, to know more of God, to know Him more intimately, and to be known by Him more deeply. I really hope that's why you're here. I really hope that's why you chose to fellowship with fellow Christians to worship God. It's to become more like Christ. But it would be a horrible thing if I would have said, I've been a Christian for 25 years, but instead of being a 25-year-old Christian, I'm a one-year-old Christian 25 times over. Nothing has changed in my life since the day I met Jesus. My attitude didn't change. My response to conflict didn't change. The way I react to certain conversations and certain people that trigger me in certain ways hasn't changed. That would be a very sad thing because that would mean that I have never truly placed my whole faith in Christ. And I've never fully devoted my entire life. And when that's the case, something's wrong. And in this entire series, I am going to pick at your heart and your emotions and your thoughts, and I'm going to irritate you in certain times because I'm going to mention a few things that you thought you have successfully placed under the rug and forgot about. But there's this interesting thing. For us to become spiritually mature, and this is what God is calling us to in 2023, but for us to become spiritually mature, we have to become emotionally healthy. Because in Genesis 1, 27, we read about God who created man and woman in his image. And we consist of body, mind, and soul. We are holistic beings. And we cannot separate these elements from one another. If you separate body and spirit from emotions, you get a psychopath. And they get isolated from society because they're a danger to themselves and other people. This is a fact. They have the inability to feel, to show compassion, to have empathy, okay? This is a danger. This means that this, th these people don't function as God created them to function. If you separate the body from the spirit and the emotion, well, you get a corpse. And therefore, when God created us as body, mind, and soul, He intended for us to live completely and wholly with all those components. Which means, in return, that if we want to grow spiritually, we have to also grow up emotionally. Which means that when someone brings up your divorce, that you react a bit differently two years along the line than you did when it just happened, in a way that might glorify God a bit better. And I, I, I gave you this 
uh, when you came into the building, if you missed this piece of paper, uh, they will hand it out to you when you exit the building. Uh, but this isn't important for my sermon. This is important for the series. This is some things that will just upset you a little bit, and please go and speak to Jesus about it. Uh, and the, it's a very inspirational and uplifting uh, title on the top of this page, 10 Signs That You May Be Emotionally Unhealthy. What a wonderful thing to start reading in the beginning of a year. <laughs> but at the back, there's a bit more positivity. It explains what is emotional health and what is spiritual maturity. And this would be a guideline for you to kind of measure yourself uh, on the things we will be preaching about. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Mark, chapter 5. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. If you have your cell phone here with the Bible app, you can open it. Um, if you really don't want to do anything right now, it's cool. There's some, it will be on the screen behind me, and you can read with me. There's a lady that we read about in Mark chapter 5. She's got issues. And something's wrong in her life. She's in a desperate need of a breakthrough. And in this few verses, we read about this moment in this lady's life. We will learn that it is impossible to grow spiritually without developing and becoming emotionally more healthy. Because we are holistic beings. Now, I want to I wanna kick this off by saying that you, you might be experiencing a spiritual deadlock in your life. You might feel that spiritually you are not growing, you are stagnant, you are stuck. Just because of the fact, not because you are a horrible person, not because you did something, now God is angry at you, not because it's the first time in forever that you are in church. If that's the case, I'm not picking on you, it's just an example. It's not any of those reasons. The reason might be that you just haven't dealt with certain things that happened to you in the past. The truth is that maybe there are still people that you need to forgive. Maybe you haven't dealt with your divorce or the divorce of your parents. Maybe you haven't dealt with the loss of your business during COVID. Maybe you haven't dealt with the things that your, your dad said to you on that afternoon when you were really giving it your best and he was just hammering on you and putting so much pressure on you and you felt like an extreme failure. You're not experiencing a spiritual breakthrough because there are some emotional things that you haven't dealt with. And it's impossible to grow spiritually if we are emotionally unhealthy. And I'm going to show you now from these verses why this is the case. But before I, I read this, I want to comfort you because it will feel we are not programmed, especially as South Africans. We are not programmed to deal with our stuff. We are programmed to ignore it until it gets better. And we have this saying, oh, don't worry. Over time, it will get better. Who knows that's a lie? That's people with some real pain that knows that's a lie. Over time, it will definitely get worse. But over time, that you were intentionally dealing with it it will get better. And you will experience breakthrough. And you will experience complete healing. 
over what you are supposed to be dealing with. So sometimes during this series, it will feel like you are David writing Psalm 23 and say, I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death. What's going on with these people? I don't want to go there. I know you don't want to go there. For a very long time in my life, I also didn't want to go there. But if we read a bit further in Psalm 23, after the valley of the shadow of death, David says, I will not fear because God is with me. And God is with you regardless. If you choose to to go on this journey with us or not, he will be with you and he will keep loving you and he will keep fighting your battles. But there will be a freedom unlike you've ever tasted before if you choose to really intentionally start growing with us. So I hope you're up for it because it's going to be one great ride. And you are going to experience God like you've never experienced him before in places that you thought that he wasn't interested in. In your life. So in Mark chapter 5, we're going to read from verse 25 to 34. And then out of these scriptures, I am going to, to, to lift out to highlight three things that can help us to experience a breakthrough in our relationship with God, in our spirituality, uh, to, to break through the spiritual deadlock. So if you are taking notes, uh, you are welcome to start at this moment, writing down Mark 25, uh, 5 verses 25 to 34. It reads, a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Now this crowd that uh, Mark is writing about is Jesus was on his way to perform a miracle and people heard about it and a crowd started to form. And it wasn't a small crowd. It wasn't the crowd like when a kid at school has uh, Snoopy money. Money for the, what's a Snoopy in English? Duck shop. It's not that kind of crowd. This is a big crowd. This is like David Beckham. I don't really know who's that famous, but Nelson Mandela is alive again and he's <laughs> at the airport, that kind of crowd, gathering to go there. Massive crowd and a woman in the crowd among them had suffered for 12 years. 12 years is a long time. And she had suffered with constant bleeding, the issue of blood. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And, she, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. So in this few pieces of scripture, we see that this lady had experienced a real genuine breakthrough in her life. And I want you to see that the moment, if you forget anything in this sermon series that we are going to preach in the next five weeks, if you forget 
everything. Just remember this one thing. The moment she went to Jesus, she had a breakthrough. Your breakthrough is with Jesus, with no one else. I want to make that perfectly clear. If you want a breakthrough in your spiritual life, if you want to grow, you will get that breakthrough with Jesus and at no other place. For her to mature in her faith, to deepen in her spirituality, she had to break through three emotional barriers. There are three emotional things that she had to receive healing from to get to this breakthrough in her spiritual journey with God. And to mature in our faith and to deepen in our spirituality, we have to, just like this lady did, break through the lies. Listen to what verse 28 says. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, and then she says these powerful words, I will be healed. She's admitting something to herself. She is admitting that she needs healing. She's admitting that something's wrong in her life. She's admitting that in her own capacity, she can't manage. Like I said earlier, that nonsense about it will heal over time. <laughs> it's rubbish. If you spend intentional, hard work over time, you will heal. But the first step in any healing process is to admit that you are not okay. And for some reason not known to man yet, all of us want to try and hide our pain. We want to put up these fronts and these faces to say, I'm okay. When in fact, you know, that's a blatant lie. We get to deal as pastors with a lot of pain. With real life issues and questions and burdens. Over the course of the, the past three years, we have done a lot of funerals. And I can tell you, Truthfully, over 90% of people at funerals are crying and weeping in front of us and then saying these words, I'm so sorry that I'm so emotional. I'm okay. And I will be okay. People has this, we as people have this inherent need to ensure people that we are okay. Why? Why has the world grown into this sick place where it is not okay to not be okay. Because let me tell you the truth. It's okay if you are not okay. Because let me tell you something. If there's something wrong with you, you're in very good company because there's something wrong with all of us. None of us are perfect. We all have baggage. We all have history. We all have pain. We all are in a desperate need of a breakthrough. We all have things that we don't want people to know about. We all have done things that we feel ashamed of. We all have experienced things that people have done unto us that we struggle to forgive and that we struggle to forget and that we struggle to let go of because it hurts so bad. And it's okay not to be okay. It's okay. And for us to grow spiritually, we have to make the emotional decision to break through the lies. Because saying you are okay, when in fact you know deep down you are not, is a blatant lie. And let me tell you, we are very good liars when it comes to our emotions, aren't we? Oh, we have something that we even call coping mechanisms. 
Some of us laugh when something terrible has happened. Something, some of us cry. Some of us isolate and just want to be on our own. Some of us throw ourselves into work and into community just for, in terms of us to forget. We all cope with it differently. But let me tell you this. Who of you know that God cannot relate to sin? He does not, he, he, he can't have anything to do with sin. Who knows that? Because he's a perfect God and in his essence he's perfect. Therefore, he cannot associate whatsoever with sin. But luckily for us, Jesus came and restored that so that when God looks at us, he, he sees us as perfect and whole despite of our sin because of the righteousness of Jesus, we become righteous. But here's the thing. You might be experiencing a spiritual deadlock, a spiritual rut, a spiritual standstill because you are a liar. You are lying to yourself, you are lying to your people, and you are lying to God by telling them you are okay the whole time. By not sharing the whole truth with them. Who of you knows that when someone is not sharing the whole truth, they are lying. That's what we teach our children. That's what we teach the person we are in a relationship with. No, but I told you about that. But that wasn't the whole truth. You should tell me everything. That's what most of conflict goes around and revolves around. And you are experiencing a spiritual deadlock. You are experiencing that you are not getting to this point of breakthrough because you are not allowing yourself to not be okay. You are lying to yourself, to your people, and to God by acting, by putting up a front, by trying to remain strong, by trying to, to just stay on course and just read your Bible and pray. But let me tell you, with all my theological training and with all the things I've done in my life and with all the prayers I've prayed, with all the sermons I've delivered, with all the verses I've readed and studied, with everything I know about the Bible, it didn't help me whatsoever when I was not truthful regarding the place I am at in my life. And this woman, she realized that she needs a savior. By wanting to be healed, she admitted that she's not okay. And let me ask you this. Are you, are you telling your people the whole truth about what's going on in your life and your thoughts? I'm talking about really going on. I'm talking about like, those moments you're driving in your car and you're sitting in traffic and your head starts to spin, are you sharing those deep and dark thoughts that sometimes make you nervous? Are you admitting it to yourself? Are you sharing that with your people? Are you sharing that thoughts with God? Are you telling God the whole truth about what's really going on? in your life and your thoughts? Or are you just giving him a part of your life? Just a section of the truth. Just the Sunday version of what's really going on inside of you. Or maybe I can ask you, are there things that you are currently running from that you're not ready to face yet? Are there things you are hiding from yourself, your people, and God? Are there things that you still need to process, people that you still need to forgive? Are there still some, some trauma that you haven't worked through, that you haven't truly faced, that you haven't admitted to yourself that that moment when I was held at gunpoint, that moment when I lost my father, that moment when I lost the business, it was traumatic to me and I'm not okay. God tells us it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, but what about my wife? What about my children? What about my husband?
This is what's wrong. When we are not admitting we're not okay, we're living a lie. And when we lie to ourselves and to our people and to God, we will experience that we are in a spiritual rut and in desperate need of a breakthrough. But the wonderful news is John chapter 8, 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The woman with the issue of blood admitted she was not okay and she knew something was wrong that no person, no doctor, no pastor could fix. And in connecting with the reality, in connecting with the truth, it played a massive part in the breakthrough she experienced. So I'll ask again, what are you ignoring in your past? What haven't you dealt with? What are you trying to hide to those closest to you? And what are you feeling today? What are you thinking of every day? What's that one thing that consumes your mind in everything you see and everything you approach and everything you do? Jesus is inviting you to bring that to him, to trust him with that. And he's telling you today that you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> you don't have to be okay. We are human. It's okay to be excited. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel the things you're feeling. It's okay to think the things you are thinking. God invites you to bring those things to him. And I want to look at you with compassion today and tell you from my heart, someone who struggles deeply with a lot of things in life is this guy standing here. And I can tell you from experience that it is okay for God if you are not okay. He still loves you. He still cares for you deeply. The second thing, to mature in our faith, to deepen in our spirituality, we have to break through the culture. Now I wanna tell you a bit something about this culture that this woman was living in. If someone had the issue of blood, it would mean that they would lose a lot of blood during any moment of the day. This would really be an embarrassing moment for any person. This is a very exposing moment. And there was this ridiculous laws that the culture was made out of. of blood, then you have to isolate for a whole day and go wash yourself out of the boundaries of the town you live in. And if you get in contact with the blood, then you have to isolate for seven days because this people with the issue of blood was seen as unclean people. So this was, in our, in our day and age, we cannot even fathom it because this is discrimination on the next level. But this was the law. And in verse 26, it reads, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. How many times have you tried to give your stuff, your issues, to someone? And then instead of it being a relief or instead of it getting better, it actually made the whole situation worse. And then later on in, con in a conflict situation, this vulnerable, painful thing you shared with them, they then used as ammunition against you. Or am I the only one living life? I want to tell you something. I'm a family man. I genuinely think my, my son just started school for the first time on Tuesday and the teacher hasn't phoned me yet. But I 
I genuinely think, I genuinely believe I'm going to be the parent that everybody hates because I'm going to defend that boy with my life. And I'm going to make sure that he's dealt with properly. And I'm going to defend him in the public. And I'm going to say, my son can never do anything wrong at house. I'm going to sort him out. I'm, I'm going to discipline him. But I think I'm going to be that parent. It hasn't happened to me yet. I'll give you feedback when it does happen. But let me tell you one thing. And I know this is live streamed. And I know people are watching from different countries and different towns and so on. But let me tell you this. I'm not afraid to say this. If my wife or my son, and in May I'm getting a baby girl, if one of those three come to me with something horrible that they have done or something very vulnerable they share with me, I tell you now I will help them get rid of the evidence because that's how much I love them. I will be the one that takes the fall for them. I will be locked up in prison as long as I know that they are okay. And at this stage in this lady's life, she realizes, I have tried every single avenue. I have tried giving my issue to everybody, even the qualified people. Now, please, I just want to make a little advertisement break here and say that Johan Peterson did not tell you not to go to the doctors. Please go to the doctors. They are there for a reason. Go see your psychologist. Go see your counselor. Go to the doctor. Please keep on with those wonderful disciplines in life. The issue is not with the doctor. The issue is keeping our problems away from God because we think we are being disqualified if we bring too much issues to God. There are two reasons why we think we get disqualified. We think either the issue is too small because there are a lot of other people with much bigger problems because once again we think God works like home affairs and everybody has to stand in a single file and if you are not Help by four o'clock, sorry, come back tomorrow. That's not how God works. God is much bigger and much stronger and he is so much greater than we could ever comprehend. He can deal with all of our problems, small or big at the same time. We can't fathom that. We can't understand that, but that's because we're not God. And the second thing, why, the second reason why we don't bring our, our issues to God is because we think, no, it's too bad. It's too big. At first we think it's too small. No, God, God, maybe other people are going through much bigger stuff than I'm going through now. So this disqualifies me now to bring this to you. So I'm going to try an alternative route. I'm going to try my best friend. I'm going to try my family. I'm going to try this one. I'm going to try this one. And then in a, in a few moments later, you look back at this issue and you see, see, oh, I haven't made any progress. In fact, it has gotten worse. The way I feel about my dad now because he left my mom is worse than it was after I spoke with my aunt than it was before. Because she also has stuff she hasn't dealt with yet because her sister's heart got broken. So what wonderful advice is she going to give you? And the issue here is not with the doctor. The issue here is keeping stuff from God. The issue is not you telling your best friend and your family and whatever. That's wonderful to have those kind of relationships. The issue is we want to keep things away from God because we think we are getting disqualified because of our issues. Because they're either too small or it's too big. Oh, you don't know. You don't know what I did. That's unforgivable. If you knew only what I did, you wouldn't even look me in the eyes. But this woman broke through the culture. Psalm 55, 22 says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. God cares about you. You can bring anything to him, small or big. The fact that you trust God with what you bring means that you have the faith for him to restore. And when God restores, you'll experience the breakthrough. 
you'll experience the growth. You'll experience the truth that sets you free. You'll experience that he's not the kind of God waiting for you and saying, yeah, it's about time you came to me. <laughs> How long has it been? 12 years. <laughs> it's been a minute. Huh? Yeah, you people. No, that's not how God is. He's waiting with his arms open wide. Say, come to me. Come to me. Come to me with all your pain. Come to me with all your hatred. Come to me with all your anger. Come to me with all your questions. Bring your sickness because Jesus is waiting. Bring your anxiety because he's waiting for you. Bring your addiction and your fear and your sorrow. He's waiting for you. He's not going to show you away. He's not going to discriminate against you. He's not going to be like the culture. He's going to be countercultural and he's going to accept you with open arms. The last thing, I'm ending off with this to mature in our faith and deepen in our spirituality, we have to break through the people. This is so great. Verse 27, she had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. She had to break through the crowd of people. She had for her to experience this spiritual breakthrough in her spirit, in her faith in Jesus, and in her body physically. She had to get over the emotional fact of what might the people think? What might the people say? She had to break through the opinions of people. Sometimes we miss the breakthrough of God. We miss the miracle of God in our lives because we are more afraid of people than we fear God. We fear the opinions of people more than we fear the truth and the word of God. It is incredible for me to imagine this story playing out. She knows very, very, very well that if she touches anybody, they will be so mad at her. They will isolate her. They will force her out of the community and she will be alone again. But she doesn't even worry about the opinions of what the people might have because that's what we are most afraid of, of what somebody might say. We're not afraid of things they actually say. We're afraid of what they might say, things we make up. And that's what holds us back the most. And she breaks through this barrier of what the opinions of the people might be of this woman with the issue of blood touching people all around her, she's just focused on Jesus. She cares about what Jesus thinks and she has much more fear and reverence and respect for God Almighty than she has for the people. And Jesus stops. This is amazing to me. He stops. Now, he's on a mission. He's going to perform a miracle somewhere else. Crowds have gathered. They want to see this thing happening. And as he's walking, he stops and he asks the question, as he felt the, the energy leaving his body, he asks the question, who touched me? And his disciples say, <laughs> Jesus, you're so funny, man. What do you mean? It's a crowd of people. Everybody's pressing up against everybody. Look, touch. Uh, I just touched you. Uh, we're so close in proximity. Everybody's touching everybody. What kind of question is that? And Jesus looked around. And then he saw the woman trembling in the reverence of experiencing what had just happened to her. She fears God. She has more respect for God and God's opinion and God's word and God's work in her life than she has the fear of the people and what they might say. And then she said, the moment she experienced the healing, she said, it was me. And the healing was evident. And immediate, the breakthrough was there and no one, no one there could say anything. No one there's opinion would matter anyway because Jesus said the words, go in peace, 
you are healed. Because of the fact that she feared God more than she feared people. Because of the fact that she places God's word and God's authority in her life above the authority of people. Jesus silenced anyone who wanted to say something. And if Jesus, this crowd was for Jesus, it was his followers. They would have cast her out and sent her on her merry way. But Jesus said, And I want to tell you today that when Jesus says something about you, when Jesus speaks a word into your life, that word will not return dormant. That word will have authority for the rest of your life. And we need as people to stop worrying about the fear of man and what they can do to us and what they will say. What if I have this testimony I want to give at work? What will the people say? God gave me this scripture to give to someone going through something, but what will they think of me? God is giving me this prophecy of this word of wisdom or this word of knowledge to share with someone, but what if it's wrong? What if they think I'm an idiot? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Maybe you are not experiencing the spiritual breakthrough because you are worried about how you might look and not how glorified Jesus may be. The moment she focused more on Jesus than the people, the breakthrough came. And this morning, I, I want to share something personally about myself in three minutes. Then I'm going to end off. Just to show you that I'm not I'm not faking it up here. I'm not trying to teach you something that I haven't gone through. I have tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. Because I've been in full-time ministry since I've been 19 years old. I was still in school and a church in my town, I was leading worship. We had revival in our city uh, on a... Uh, Tuesday evening, we were over 600 teenagers worshiping God. Um, I was the worship leader for the ministry, and um, this church that was connected to the youth ministry gave me a full-time position uh, in the third quarter of my matric year. So then I signed the contract already to start working full-time in ministry and study theology to get my BTH degree um, in the following year. And as a 19-year-old, I mean, I'm turning 32 very soon, and I still look like I'm in my early 20s. My wife gives me wonderful facial cream, and um, I have a baby face. I'm not the biggest man in posture. I don't even have a full beard. Um, You know, I'm not the manliest man that ever walked the earth. I'm not like Samson or The Rock. You get I'm not Bucky's Bueta. And because of my age, I started preaching since I was 19. I led worship since I was 19. This was my full-time job, but this is what what I was getting paid to do. Um, And the, the opinions of people would matter so much to me. Because in my first sermon, one of the most upstanding men in our community, the moment I greeted the church and everybody realized that I'm now going to deliver my first sermon, him and his wife stood up and left the church. And they sent an email saying, I'm not going to let a lighty teach me something. This has happened throughout my ministry, throughout my life, with the baby face, Peter. People saying horrible things. People putting me down. In this church even it happened. I always wear this thing even before church because we do sound checks beforehand and so on so that everything runs smoothly and then it's on me already. It's a whole rig. So then I would greet people and so on, and there came this 
this guy and he said to me, are you preaching today? I said, yeah, um, yes, I am. And the exact same thing happened. He said, well, then I'm going to somewhere else where someone can bring me a proper word of God. And these are the kind of things that I had to face. And I know you have faced a lot of those things. You faced it in business. You faced it in the workplace. You faced it in family. Your parents have told you things like this. The people who are supposed to love you the most have hurt you the most. I know you have gone through things like this. And I'm not trying to get your empathy because God is working through me and he's a, he has a calling on my life and I'm secure and steadfast in that. I don't have any issues with that. But there was a stage in my life that those things hurt me and those things... It, dragged me down. Those things made that I didn't want to stand up and minister at any place or at any given moment. And I was in desperate need of a breakthrough because something was wrong. And God showed me, you are caring more about the opinions of others than the calling that I have on your life. So stand up and speak and sing and make sure that people understand the word of God and make sure that people are encouraged and, exp and inspired and that they can walk out with something that I want to give to them. And I said, yes, sir, I'll do that, God. And the moment I started doing that, there was fruit there was salvation, there was people getting to know Jesus, there are healings happening, people are getting word from God, and it is just great because I don't fear people, I don't fear your opinion, I don't fear anyone who might say anything about me because the word of Jesus is steadfast and has the most authority on my life. And this is what this lady believed, and this is why she got the breakthrough. And I wanna inspire you today. I don't want you to feel sorry for me, I want you to look at yourself and be honest and break through the lies and tell yourself that it's okay to feel pain. It's okay not to be okay. I want you to break through the culture. Break through the lies of people telling you you are disqualified to bring everything to God. He cares for you and he cares about your burdens. He cares about the things you are not okay about and he doesn't want you to bring it to everybody else except for him. He wants you to bring it to him first so that you can experience the breakthrough and the life that he has for you. And I want to invite you to stop caring so much about what people might say or might think about you. The most important opinion has to be the word of God in your life. If he has told you to go, go. If he tells you to speak, speak. If he invites you, pitch up. So that you fear him more than you fear people. That you respect him more than you respect people. And you will experience the fruit and the life and the freedom of God like never before. In the following weeks, we're going to dive into very practical things of how you can deal with emotional immaturity to grow in your relationship with God. And I hope that you will open your heart, that you will open your mind. It's going to be vulnerable, but it's going to be so life-giving. You're going to experience God and get to know Him more than ever before.